So now in 2 Corinthians, we need to back up a little bit. I told you this morning we're going to be talking about our heart. And in chapter 3, verse 15, it says, even to this day when Moses read, when Moses is read, so talking about, you know, going to synagogue of the day, as the Old Testament is being read, there's a veil that lies on the heart. And then here's this incredible promise of the gospel. Nevertheless, when one turns, when one repents to the Lord, defined as to Jesus, through who Jesus is, the, the good news that every single one of us has a sin and a death problem, and Jesus came to save us from sin, from death, to give us his life and his life forever. Good news. When anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. There's some, the hindrance between you and God has now been removed as you turn to faith in Jesus Christ. It's removed. The Spirit of the Lord. Now, the Lord is the Spirit. God takes up residence in us. Through faith in Jesus Christ, we are promised that the Holy Spirit has been given to us as a guarantee, as a down payment on the eternal glories that are coming. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, what do we have in Him? We have liberty. We have freedom. No longer bound by sin, no longer bound by death, no longer bound by self freedom. I'm now attached to him. He is my source. He is my life. All of the promises that I hope in, you know, they're all wrapped up in him. But we all now with unveiled face, beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. What a Think, just again, imagine this picture. Every single one of you looked in the mirror this morning as you, as you got yourself ready and you beheld yourself. As we behold ourself, this is often where the heart gets lost. You don't like what you see in the mirror. You don't like where you are in life. You don't like your circumstances in life. The idea of losing hearts, of losing courage, of losing hope, I don't think that there is a position of the human heart that is in any greater danger than that. You sit in marriages and relationships. I have watched marriage after marriage end in divorce because one or the other, they lost heart. They lost hope in the relationship. They got sick of trying, they got sick of being hurt, and they, they just, they lost hope. And then you now start going down the repercussions of an action like that. Some, it's um, you were expecting God to act in one way. God doesn't act or he acts in another way. And all of a sudden you feel like the world is just coming down upon you and you lose heart. Some of us have been struggling with a particular sin or just a particular thing in life where you fight and you fight and you fight and you have no victory, you have no freedom that the Word of God promises to you and you stop fighting, you lose heart and you just give up. The most dangerous position to be in because when you lose heart, when you lose courage, when you stop fighting, when you give up, you start acting in your flesh. And when we start acting in our flesh, this is where damage and destruction, just, this is when we make decisions to just blow up. Julie and I watched a documentary last night on the, the husband 
who murdered his wife, his pregnant wife, and his two daughters in Colorado. I don't know if this is a couple of years ago. Giving the testimony of just like, here's all the, the text messages and the Facebook posts, and they put it all together in a way where you could see the complete story of what went on. Their marriage, they're talking about God, they're talking about being blessed, they're using Christian language. I have no idea what their background was at all whatsoever. But you can see the picture in this. This man, he, he lost his heart somewhere. And his heart was in total darkness. And that sent him down an avalanche of making just insane decisions. The testimony of this. Can you, can you, this is how wicked the human heart is. After he killed his wife, after he suffocated one of the daughters... As he's suffocating the last daughter, the last words he hears out of this child's mouth is, no, daddy. That is the end of what can happen when you lose heart. Reality check. Every time we come together, every time you turn your heart to God in prayer and worship, that you turn to him in the word. It's remembering who we're looking at. We are looking at the glory of God. And regardless of how you feel, what you like or dislike about yourself, what you like or dislike about your circumstances, regardless of what that pressure is, how you have been damaged by others, we are told to get your eyes on Jesus. You need to stand before the truth of his word as a mirror and let the word give to you the knowledge of the Holy One, the knowledge of who God is as he has manifested himself and made himself visible and made himself known to each one of us, to all humanity. We are talking this morning, there are 8 billion people on this planet. God is revealing himself to every single person today. He is at work. And we can't lose sight of that. When we lose sight of that, that's when I lose courage. That's when I lose heart. That's when I become in my flesh. That's when I start making insane decisions. We all can step into that. And we praise God that as we have faith in Jesus Christ, his spirit is within us. He is transforming us. Look at this, the very last sentence there. We are being transformed into the same image. So as we behold our God through his word, through his spirit, through his revelation, we are being transformed into the same image. John talks about, you know, those of us that as we abide in that hope, there's a purity there. This, this, this idea, well, we're being transformed into the image of Christ, exchanging the old man, putting on the new man. He changes our essential character. Our essential character was in darkness and in sin and subject to the ruler of this world. We we're going to talk about that this morning. And now that we have looked to him in faith, turned to him in faith, following him in faith, trusting him in faith, he is transforming us day by day. Not all at once. This is a process into the same image from glory to glory, just as by the Spirit of the Lord. All right, we're going to read through all of chapter 4. And you'll see very quickly in regards to the heart. So, therefore, since we have this ministry... As we have received mercy, 
we do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, whose minds the God of this age has blinded, reference to Satan, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. For we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord, and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. For it, is the, for it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, reference to creation, who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Powerful, powerful words. Verse 7. But we have this treasure, this wealth in earthen vessels that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Y'all recognize those verses? Quoted often, verse 10. Always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus also may be manifest in our body, both his death and his life. Verse 11. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then... Death is working in us, but life in you. And just as you, as you sit in a sentence like that, realize that there, as we go through the context of this letter, there are people in, that you have relationships with that you would be in Paul's perspective, that, you, that death is at work in you as you are ministering to others. And at the same time, as you sit in this letter, you sit in it from the position of the Corinthians, that somebody else, as they are dying in service to you, Jesus' life is vibrant in you through their service. So, so then death is working in us, but life in you. Jesus' death is working in all of us, but so is his life. You're crucified with Christ. And it is he who lives in us, giving us his life. Awesome. Verse 13. And since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what is written, I believed and therefore I spoke, we also believe and therefore speak, knowing that he who raised up the Lord Jesus will also raise us up with Jesus and will present us with you, the body together. Verse 15. For all things... Or for your sakes, that grace, having spread through the many, may cause thanksgiving to abound to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Even though the outward man is perishing, 
Yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. So again, context, Paul is giving a defense for himself. He is giving a defense for who he is in Christ and who Christ is through him as he has been, been sent to this community to share the wonderful gospel. But back up in verse 1. Look at this. In regards to our heart and in regards to the gift that we have been given, what is this ministry that has been given to us through the mercy of God? And recognizing, again, God's mercy, it's, it's tied into his grace, it's tied into his patience, it's tied into who he is. God's mercy, it's an expression of his compassion. Yes, it is it's withholding from us what we deserve, which is punishment, which is hell, which hell being defined as separation from a holy God. But what is this ministry that he's given to you, that he's given to us? We're told immediately that, you know, in the prior context, this ministry that he's referring to is the ministry of the Spirit. It's being ministers of the new covenant, ministry of righteousness. When we began this letter, he was talking about God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort. He is the one that comforts us. He comforts you. He ministers to you so that you can in turn what? Go and comfort and minister to others. The ministry that we've been given in earlier context talked about praying for one another, laboring together, serving one another in prayer uh, towards God on behalf of each other, helping each other in this ministry that has been given to us. And so we sit in the, this is where like the reality check, we need to, you know, we do away with all the self-help, all the motivation, all the cheerleading, just anything that's of the traditions of men. And we focus in on our vision of who God is and our vision of who God is as his, it is as he has revealed himself to be, which he uses all of our senses. And then he uses his spirit that dwells within us so that we can know who he is. But this, this is the ministry. You have been handed, what have you been handed? Life, freedom, light, love, power, provision. You've been handed trials and tribulations. You've been handed circumstances of life that God is using according to his will, according to his wisdom, according to his predetermined will to make you to be the men and women of God that he has created you to be in that time, in that season, in that moment, day by day, preparing you to stand before him in glory, imaging him back to himself for all eternity. This is the ministry that's been handed to us. We are not handed the ministry of politics. We're not handed the ministry of some kind of church program. We're not handed these different, we are handed Jesus Christ. We are handed life and everything that that means because our God is merciful. 
we've received mercy. And it's because of this reality, this is the position where we don't lose heart. Because when we forget this, how many of you have lost heart before you? Before, How many of you, looking back at a prior circumstance of life, you look at that person in that situation and you say, Blake was absolutely insane in that moment because he forgot who Jesus was. And it could be something that's grand and it was a great big mistake, great big failure, great big sin. And it could be just one of those little small moments where, you know what? I was living as king of my life and Lord of my life, rejecting Jesus. And in the spectrum in between there, I lost heart, I lost faith, I lost courage. Even we've talked a lot about COVID, just this is a really weird season for all of us. I felt that slide into depression. I felt that slide personally. If I feel like Groundhog Day almost every single day, it's wash, rinse, and repeat. And it can be discouraging. I can lose heart. I get my mind off of of who God is and all of his glory and get my mind on the circumstances of COVID and what it means and how it's impacted me and how it's impacted you, how it's impacted our culture. Same thing, we can totally lose heart. How many of you would be crying before the Lord if Joe Biden gets in the office? How many of you are going to be crying before the Lord if Donald Trump stays in office? We have all these circumstances in our lives that have the potential to distract us, to discourage us, to strip away our strength and to strip away our courage. We sang a song today about, uh, you know, we, our faith, our life is not built upon the sifting, sifting. Shifting, there we go, shifting. We did some DSing this morning on the thing, so we did these little tongue twisters with S's, so my tongue's really messed up. The shifting sand of the seashore is not where you build a lighthouse. Have you ever seen a lighthouse built on sand? No, it's built on a rock, a solid foundation, so the light that shines can warn those at sea of the danger of the land. And this is the language that's being used throughout it. We're not to lose heart. We're not to lose courage. But every single one of us, the reality is we all do. We get our eyes on the circumstances. This is, uh, you know, Peter miraculously walking on turbulent water with his eyes on Jesus, gets his eyes off Jesus, got out of the boat, walking on water. None of you have ever done this before. Gets his eyes on the storm, lost heart, lost courage, lost faith. Jesus, save me. And he's there to save him. But Jesus, where was your faith? Where was your heart? Where was your courage? Was it on you and your power? Or did you get your eyes off of me? Again, when, when we get our eyes off of Jesus, all kinds of things can happen. Little things and big things. And the but there in verse 2, we have renounced the hidden things of shame. Uh, There's another way to say this is we have disowned dishonor. How how freeing is that in Christ? When you look back on your history, whether it's far in the past or current, those things that make you cringe, 
Those things in your life that if we were to broadcast them on the wall right now, you would cringe. You would want to leave this place and never show yourself in front of any of these faces again because they know that's about you. In Jesus, we have disowned that kind of dishonor. It's gone. He doesn't remember our sins. There is no longer a record of your shame. I think, I think that's wonderful. Because again, we, when we consider ourselves, when we look at ourselves in the mirror, there's all these things we do not like about ourselves. There's all these things where we recognize where we fall short of the image and glory of God. There's all these things that cause us just to be deflated, discouraged, filled with pride. And okay, I'm not going to ignore these. I'm not, I am going to ignore all these things the, of all my faults. And we're going to focus on just anything that I'm good at. And then we're going to talk about those things that I'm good at and how I'm better at those things than you. And then all of a sudden the proud heart starts to inflate. And oh boy, here comes another kind of fall, right? We have disowned dishonor, all those hidden things that Satan wants to throw in your face. God can't love you. This is what you did. Those things have been disowned. They were paid for through the body and blood of Jesus's sacrifice. And the reality of that truth is the power of his resurrection. We do not walk, walk in craftiness. We're not walking in uh, the devil's heart anymore, according to his cunning, his distractions. We're not walking in the craftiness and cunning of our own minds in the human flesh. We are not mishandling, literally, it's adulterating the word of God. We're not mixing it with human stuff. My responsibility to come up here and, and to teach the word of God, your responsibility as you sit in devotion to the Lord, as you open up the word of God yourself, is not to mishandle it, not to mix it with your own hearts, your own thoughts, your own ways, bringing your ideas into it. You let God be true. And if your opinion is in contrast to God's truth, then let your opinion change. Don't change the word of God. We don't mishandle the word of God in deceit. And again, here Paul is giving testimony to the Corinthians in regards to his own behavior. But what's being manifested? The truth is being manifested. And in that testimony, God is manifesting himself through signs and wonders and miracles, absolutely. He is manifesting himself through what was discussed above, the transformed life. I've been here, we moved here in 2012, 2020, so we've been here for eight years. Have you watched me be transformed at all in the last eight years? Day by day, sometimes in big steps, most of the time in little steps. And as I, look at, as I look at the faces across the room, I have watched you be transformed into the image of Christ. God has used you to sharpen me, to encourage me, to rebuke me, to help me. And I hopefully he's done the same with me for you as we minister to one another, manifesting what is true through our brothers and sisters, just in daily life. And we commend ourselves to each other's conscience in the sight of God. And here's what's really, this is, I think this, as a believer in Jesus, 
for those human beings who you know whose minds and their hearts is still veiled, their heart is hard. And this is the, the language that's being used in regards to the new covenant that we read last week. In declaration of the new covenant, God says, I'm going to take out of you that heart of stone and I'm going to place into you a heart of flesh. The imagery, again, all this is flowing out of Exodus where who had the hard heart in Exodus? Pharaoh. And all this imagery of Pharaoh was the one hardening his heart. And at the same time, God hardened his heart in the positions that he was holding. We see the same attributes, the same discussion in Romans chapter 1. And here the idea, the exact same idea is being brought up. That there's still a veil over so many people's hearts, over their minds, over their lives. We're told that ultimately the God of this age is blinded. Again, this is the only place in the Bible where Satan is referred to as the God of this age, little g, not big G. This is, um, you know, there's, when you sit in the Old Testament, that word Elohim, plural, gods, God himself, the creator of the universe is identified as God. Angels are identified as gods, little g. Human judges are referred to as God. There's, it's, it's, it's not uh, Big G, it's little g, because Satan does have a tremendous amount of authority in this world. We don't fully get it. We were talking about in Revelation, Jesus is the one who is worthy to open the scroll. In Revelation 5, what is this scroll? Many believe it's, it's, it's a title deed to the earth is this perspective that whatever was required for humanity to be redeemed, Jesus is the one who paid the price and he is the one who is worthy to open this document. And in that, that feeds into this thought that all the way back in the garden, the dominion that was given to Adam and Eve, the dominion that was given to mankind, whatever was given was lost and handed over to Satan and to his angels um, by default in humanity's disobedience against God. How all this works out, I don't have a clue. The authority that Satan has and demons have in this world, it's, it's one of those things that the word of God reveals it to, it to us, so I believe it. I have a basic level of understanding, but the nuances, I'm oblivious to. We are told that Michael is the angel, the archangel that stands over the nation of Israel. We are told that there are powers and principalities, demons, Angels in rebellion against God that rule over the nations of this world, America included. There is a spiritual war. There is a spiritual battle. God is bigger and over it all. There are more good angels than rebellious angels. But at the same time, we are told that this rebellious being this scheming being, this dragon, this beast, this liar, this thief, this murderer, is the God of this age, not creator, has a tremendous amount of power and in his power has great ability to keep a human heart hard to keep a human heart from hearing the gospel, being able to, you can be taught the word of God and just still have the wall that's there. Now, 
Are we supposed to lose hope for those people? Who said yes? You need to go to Andres' class. <laughs> Think about who just wrote these words, Paul. Was Paul's heart veiled? Was Paul's heart hard? Would we have thought him to be a lost cause? This man was destroying the lives of believers. Hard guy. But what shined into his life? The brilliant manifestation of Jesus Christ himself blinded him, drove him to his knees, caused him to contemplate the glory of God and who was speaking to him given a vision so that he would understand what was going on, what Jesus was doing in his life. Sent a man to work through, to restore vision. And what did Paul immediately do? He turned. He followed Jesus. The, the heart that was veiled and blinded by the God of this age was set free by the gospel, by who Jesus Christ is. Nobody is beyond hope. That man that I brought up this morning that murdered his wife, his unborn child, and his two daughters is not beyond the power of the gospel. That is uncomfortable. Nobody is beyond the power of God. And when I say, even when I say in my flesh, when I say that's uncomfortable, I'm like, you idiot. Just because you haven't lost heart to that degree, you've lost heart to other degrees where you deserve just as much separation from God as that man. And then we stand in the brilliant light of the gospel because that's what's being declared here. We're not preaching ourselves. We preach Christ, Messiah, the promised one, the anointed one, Jesus, who is the Lord, who is the very image of God. We have New Testament revelation in regards to who God is in his triune being, Father, Son, and Spirit, Jesus the glory of Christ, the very image of God. God the Father commanded light to shine out of darkness. In my dark heart, our great God has shined his light. In my hard heart, my great God has given me a heart that is tender to him, where his word is written upon it where he dwells, where he speaks to me, where he leads me, where he transforms me. And again, this is, this is light shining in our hearts. And it's not, it's not miscellaneous information. It's not Christian traditional behavior. It is the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That is where life is, that's where salvation is, that's where freedom is, that's where hope is, that's where strength is. Jesus is our everything. 
And to know him is eternal life. To know him is to experience him. It's not just a head knowledge. It's that intimate knowledge of even between a husband and wife. Here, this, this word again, it's you are experiencing him, becoming one with him. The glory of God, the weight of God is in the face of Jesus Christ. But today, the contrast of this, we all know that we are holding this incredible treasure, this ministry that's been given to us, this mercy that's been handed to us. The glory of God himself is in this earthen vessel, this fragile pot. Why? So that the excellence of his power that it be of him, not of us. In life, you've been hard-pressed, and in that pressing, you've lost heart. In this life, you've been perplexed. You're just, you're without understanding. You were astonished. You were your, beside yourself in a circumstance, and you have lost heart. You've been persecuted for your relationship with Jesus, and you've lost heart. But in every single one of these, look at the yet. Are you crushed? Does despair rule over you? Has God forsaken you? Has God looked at you and said, well, that's one sin too many and just struck you down? No. We're weak, but he is strong. We carry about in these bodies his death, his example. We follow him as his disciples. We look at his crucifixion and we know and understand that he gave himself for the taking away and the removal of our sins. We have all this imagery about who we were apart from him. So therefore, as we look at his crucifixion, we understand that our old man, the old nature, the old ways, the one who is ruled by the God of this age needs to be dead and to remain dead, but not dead apart from Christ, but in Christ, according to his sacrifice. That at the same time that his life, his, the power of his resurrected life is the power that abides in us that we that enables us to live for him, to worship him, to seek him, to be transformed by him. Death and life, all at the same time, Lord, may you manifest yourself in us and through us today and tomorrow until that day when we see you face to face. And Lord, if you need to deliver my life to death for your name's sake, that your life would be vibrant in another, let it be so. Manifest your life in our mortal flesh, Lord. As believers, we all have the same spirit, the same spirit of faith. We hear you speaking to us. We hear you drying out faith. We believe in you, Jesus, and because we believe, we're asking that you place within us the inability to not speak. May we speak with boldness and with courage. May we speak our belief. May we speak our hope knowing that you, Father, who raised up Jesus, will also raise us up with Jesus, that we will be presented together. Those who have ministered to me, those that you let me minister to, 
we will be presented together because of your grace. And Lord, in all of this, may you cause in us great thanksgiving. May thanksgiving abound in your glory, great God. Therefore, verse 16, my brothers and sisters, we do not lose heart. When you do, remember to get your eyes on Jesus. Remember to open up the word and to remember who he is. Those lessons that you have heard repeated a thousand times about his power, about his love, about his glory, about his compassion, about his grace. Go on down through the, the attributes of God as he has revealed himself to us. Place your heart on him and he will give you courage. Even though your outward man and woman is decomposing. Your inward man and woman, renewed, revival, day by day. This, um, this uh, verse here in 17, this does not minimize the pain that you have had in your life, regardless of what it is. Um, but the imagery we have is that like, have you ever seen those strongman competitions where they have those really big boulders where they gotta, they gotta get down and they gotta roll up this heavy, you know, this heavy awkward stone and stumble and carry and just throw it over here? It's kind of the imagery that I have in my mind when I think about the afflictions that I've had in this life. Some of them are small pebbles. Some of them are really big boulders and really big weights that when I throw them on the scale, when my mind and my attention on those things, even, even something that's just a little pebble, I make it to be this massive stone because I'm insane in the moment. Because my eyes are on me, my eyes are on the monster, and whatever my eyes are on is what's getting bigger and bigger and bigger in my life. And the imagery that we have is for you, you can heap up every single one of those afflictions on the stone. And whatever effort it takes in your flesh, in your relationship with Jesus, in prayer, get all that stuff on that scale. And now Jesus stands in all of his glory on the other side, who's heavier. That's what the word glory means, it's weight. He's bigger, he's more massive, he's stronger. You may not understand why that boulder is there. You may not understand where that boulder came from, but it's there and it hurts and it's real. And the hope is he loves you. He's there to relieve that burden from you and enable you to walk in freedom, in love, even if you are tremendously scarred from that boulder crushing you and rolling over you. He is there as healer in all of his glory. He is there as provider in all of your lack. He is there as God in all of his glory and all of his power. We have zero excuse to lose heart in Jesus. And if we have lost heart in Jesus, that means we are believing a lie. The lie of our heart, the lie of the devil that's chattering away, the lies of this world are 
God is awesome. So Heavenly Father, we come to you asking that you would manifest your glory to us. Just as hungry and thirsty as Moses was for you to demonstrate your glory, to reveal your glory to him. And even though he had experienced already so many miracles, so many signs and so many wonders, that man still wanted to see your glory. That encourages me, Lord. Moses was a great man, but he had not attained I sat in this weekend, Lord, thinking about Dave, Daniel and what, a, what an incredible man Daniel was. He's a hero, yet he had not attained. I sit in these words of Paul, Lord, and man, I love him. I'm so thankful that he turned to you, that, that he was obedient to you, Lord, because I sit in these words that you revealed to him. And God, I want to be like Paul. I sit in his other words, Lord, and the reality of he saw himself as the, the greatest of sinners. He saw himself in all of his weakness, Lord. He saw himself in all of his, all those things that we elevate him. He let us know that he still hadn't attained his incredible resume, Lord. He let us know that all those things are like, they're like rubbish. Nothing compares to you, Jesus. Not an experience, not a person, nothing holds a flash of light in the presence of your glory. Lord, if there's anybody here whose who's heart and mind is still veiled but the God of this age, Lord, is keeping them, keeping their minds dark. We ask that your light would break through this morning, that they would have the courage to kneel before you, to stand for you, to follow you, to turn away from their ways and to follow you on your way, Jesus. May you reveal to each of us your wonderful glory. And Lord, right now as I'm listening to this just this refreshing, cleansing rain on the roof. Rain upon us. Wash us. Cleanse us. Give us the nutrients that we need to grow in you. Let this be the latter rain, Lord. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Amen.